Today on The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Did you see interviews of those who are in the streets that say, while you're here, they couldn't give you a coherent answer. I'm just here. Because there was a hopelessness in the inner city and a helplessness in the inner city. And it stacked up generation after generation after generation. And you got two extremes. You got one extreme that says, let's throw more money at those people and let's just throw more money. The other extreme says, let's take all the money away. Both are radically wrong. The truth is you have a secret weapon that allows you to offer hope to others. Welcome to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Today, Dr. Young shares his message giving hope to the hopeless and explains just how much you can help others with the Holy Spirit as your guide. That message is about to start. Now, here's Dr. Ed Young with today's message, Giving Hope to the Hopeless. We began the study of Romans back in August. And we opened with a story about a family from South Carolina visited Arkansas and they went out into the park where they have a field of gems. And you can pay a fee and they'll give you digging equipment. You can go and try to find precious stones. So this family, went out, but their young teenage son, he just walked out by himself. It had been raining, and therefore, instead of the mud covering the stone, somehow it had beaten the ground down, and stones had come up to the surface, and he was there for just five or ten minutes and reached down and saw something shining and picked up and found one of the largest diamonds ever discovered in the United States. He said, I was hoping for such a find as that, and he did. I thought of the Hope Diamond. Hope Diamond is one of the largest diamonds in the world. It traveled around for a long time and many imitators of it. Now it's in the Smithsonian. And they keep it under bright lights and unbelievable security and protection But I'm told that when all the lights go out, that the diamond, the hope diamond, has unusual qualities of brilliance, and when the lights are out, it shines even brighter than it was then even when it was under the lights. And and that's hope. That's hope. And we ask the question: what has happened in America? What's happened around the world? There is violence, and the answer to violence is more violence. The cartoon in the New York Times pictured two men standing there in Missouri, Ferguson, and they were looking at a burned-out business. And one man said, I guess we showed them. The other man said, yeah, I guess we did. I used to work there. I don't have the answers for that, but I don't hear the answers for that. 
And the idea that you can get this group and that group to come together, communicate more, and sing another stanza or two of Kumbaya is not the answer. I'm not interested in blame or purpose. I'm interested in what is there in our world, in our cities, that leads to protest and violence and in the streets numbering the millions. There, we need to take a time out and see what is going on. The book of Romans, the formal study, ends in the 13th chapter, in the, thir- in the 15th chapter and the 13th verse. It talks about hope, 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 hope. Christian people have hope. The rest of Romans, Romans chapter 15, verse 14, through the rest of 15, all the way through chapter 16, Paul is saying goodbye. (laughs) He's saying, here are my future plans. And he has two or three prayers, benedictions written in, and he lists a lot of people's names that he knew and he loved and encouraged them and gave them assignments. But he ends up Romans saying, that you and I, as men and women in Christ, we have hope, and we are to take that hope and let it explode in the world in which we live. Listen to this 13th verse. It's a powerful challenge for you and for me. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that, in other words, we are filled with joy and peace. Why? so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The joy and peace we have in Christ is to overflow to joy and peace in the lives of others. Let's prepare for the teaching of the book. Father, we kneel hands and hearts and minds before you asking that you will speak and challenge us and move among us. And may we hear your words, not for anybody else, but as for each and every one of us. You speak, Father, by the power of your spirit. Let me get out of the way. Is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We have nothing before us. We were all going to heaven No, we were all going the other way, to hell. (laughs) Opening words of Charles Dickens, a tale of two cities. One city was Paris. They had a revolution. Heads were cut off. There was division. There was war. There was violence. There was all kinds of corruption exploding in Paris. It spilled off into France. It was the darkest of hours. 
The other city in the second part of the tale was London. Not perfect, but they had a spirit of Christ and God and redemption and hope in the lives of the people. So there's two different cities, and there's a tale of two different cities. We live in a city, metropolitan Houston, Texas. My, what a city, what a moment in which for you and I to be alive. Various cities in the history of mankind, perhaps no city before, has been so privileged and blessed as we are now in Houston. Look at where we are in Houston. Houston has the number one wealthiest zip code in Texas with a medium income, average income, $240,151 per person. We have that zip code in metropolitan Houston, and it's not River Oaks. It's West U. Interesting. Houston has four of the top 10 wealthiest zip codes in the entire state of Texas. Houston area housing start rates climbed to 28,990 this year, showing growth for the last eight quarters. Houston is designated as the top real estate market for investment and development for 2015. Forbes magazine says Houston is the top big city where self-employment opportunity is growing the fastest. This fall, Forbes magazine declared Houston the best city for jobs. American Express Commission study declared Houston the best metro area for women-owned firms by revenue. Houston has the most college graduates over age 25 per capita. New York, New York Times listed Houston as one of the top destinations for college graduates. Houston in 2014 is the best city for young entrepreneurs. Princeton Review designated Rice University as offering college students the best quality of life among U.S. colleges. This is the best, best one. U-Haul declared Houston <laughs> as the number one destination for relocation moves. And last but not least, Forbes declared Houston among the top coolest cities to thrive in America. We've got the cool factor, ladies and gentlemen. A tale of two cities, that's one city. Urban Houston, metropolitan Houston, downtown, midtown, suburban areas of Houston. That's one city. But we've got another city. We've got the inner city. Oh, yeah. The inner city. Well, we know about it. We heard about it. Used to have been there. And we had a flight from the inner city. We call it white flight. Oh, no. It's white flight. It's black flight. It's brown flight. Anybody who's in the inner city, they fly out as soon as they can get out. It's flight by all, flight leaving behind blight. Let's see how this looks nationally, if you would. Look at your screen. U.S. spends $600 billion on welfare programs. For just $155 billion, now we send 
spend $600 billion, but just $155 billion, we could establish, subsidize employment programs in private sector, something like Works Progress Administration that would employ 11 million dependent people. See that WPA, Works Project Administration? My daddy in the Depression had a little bitty service station, lost the station, lost everything. There was not food on the table, and my daddy worked for the WPA, the government. He was ashamed of it. Because my daddy was the hardest working man you have ever met in your natural life, bar none. If you can find someone, I challenge you to do it. But he was so embarrassed, but he worked for the WPA so food could be on the table. Something like that can help. 1965, U.S. poverty rate was 15.2% with 20 million people living below the poverty line. Now, the African, not back in 1960, only 0.65% of working age population received disability checks. But today, the poverty rate is virtually the same, 15.1% with more than 40 million in that category, 15 million children living in poverty. And we have spent since then over 16 trillion to try to alleviate the problem. Today, 5.6% of working age population receive disability checks. So here we are. That's nationally. This is where we are nationally. Not a pretty picture. Now, let's look in Houston. Let's look right here. Let's look in Harris County. That's the best way to look at it. Fatherless cast a shadow of fear, 343,647 out of 1,184,988 children in Harris County live with single mothers. Did you get that? Single mothers. Poverty cast a shadow of fear, 802,318 out of 4,336,853. That's population of Harris County. People in Harris County live below the poverty line, one out of four. Broken educational system, lack of knowledge, cast a shadow of fear, almost a million, 910,739 Harris County adult residents can't read. One out of every four adults in our area cannot read. Did you get that? Abuse and neglect, cast a shadow of fear. 25,438 child abuse and neglect reports filed in Harris County. 19,834 are, listen to this, 78% of the perpetrators are parents. 18,053 are 71% of these parents were unmarried. 52% of victims were female ages one to three. Gang rule cast a shadow of fear. 41,000 registered gang members we know about. There are others we know about in Houston. Gangs are connected, of course, to the drug trade. We can go on and on. Because there's a tale of two cities. In every city in America, there's a tale of two cities. And therefore, there is... Illiteracy, 
illegitimacy, immorality, depression, despondency, despondency, fear, and finally there's hopelessness. You say, what are they doing? You, did you see interviews of those who are in the streets that say, wow, you're here? They couldn't give you a coherent answer. I, I, I'm just here. Because there was a hopelessness in the inner city and a helplessness in the inner city. And it stacked up generation after generation after generation. And you got two extremes. You got one extreme that says, let's throw more money at those people and let's just throw more money. The other extreme says, let's take all the money away. Let them go to work. You got a problem. Most of them have a felon among the males there, and they can't get a job because they have a record. Two extremes. Take away all the money. Throw more money. Both are radically wrong. Now, what are we to do? Two cities, a tale of two cities, right here, right here where we live, right here in the cities around the world, a tale of two cities. Some people just say, oh, just give up, you know, you're, it, it, it's not a hope. Let me tell you something, what we've got as Christian people, folks. First of all, we have the commands of God and we have the promises of God. And in light of that, without the communication of God, let me tell you, there are some redemptive answers. Now, let's start right here. Good place to start with the book, is it not? The book always gets us in trouble. It gets me in trouble. If you, it doesn't get you in trouble, you're not reading it properly. <laughs> Chapter 15, the Bible says, now we who are strong, that's all of us here. We're in urban America. We're, we're, we're the top side. We're, we're the strong. Oh, yeah, every one of us, we're the strong. Ought to bear the weakness of those without strength and not just please ourselves. The strong are to bear the weakness of the weak. That's a good place to start. What else would each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. We're not to please ourselves. We are to please the weak to his edification. Edification means that they're to be edified and they're edified when you and I are educated. We begin to understand, then we can build up. Well, I understand it. Just hold on. I thought I did too, but I can tell you, I understand it better. Edification. We're not just to please ourselves. Uh, you're not going to find your life by just serving your life. Edification. We're to be a part of the edification process of the weak, of the weak. Verse three, for even Christ did not please himself, for as it is written, the approaches of those who reproach you fell on me. We are to identify with this. Boy, if I were in the inner city, let me tell you something. A few escape, but a precious, precious few escape. If you're in the inner city and I were in the inner city, let me tell you, there's oppression. There's generation after generation after generation. There is no easy way out of the trap. No easy way out of the trap. Let me tell you that. 
We got to identify, put on those shoes for a while, go down and look, walk around. Different universe. Verse 4, for whatever was written in earlier times were written for our instruction so that perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope that may the God who gives you and me perseverance and encouragement grant to you of the same mind of Christ that according to Jesus Christ, we've been given perseverance and encouragement. We're to go and give perseverance and encouragement to the weak. Tale of two cities, one city. Oh, 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 (laughs) there's that other city. Oh, housing, you can't get property housing. It's so expensive around here. Let me take you to some places in that second city. You can buy all the property you want and houses you want for miles and miles and miles and apartments you want for miles and miles and miles. A tale of two cities. Then what else? Verse 7. By the way, it says, we glorify God in this. So what do we do? What about the weak? What about those in the inner city? We're to take the weakness of the weak upon ourselves. We're to bear. The word bear there means to get in the womb of. You think that's identifying? You think God is telling us, well, just sort of tip our hats? By the way, we're not talking about angels of light here. We got a little bit of the upper end of the inner city we didn't get the inner city. Very, very few. Let me tell you that right now up front. <laughs> no, no, no. We're proud. We did that. But we just got the upper end of the inner city. We didn't get to the bottom of the inner city where there are thousands and thousands and thousands who really don't have a chance. They're hopeless. Fear, hopelessness, depression, hopelessness. And then next, verse 7, therefore accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. We were accepted, we are accepted him. And he goes on to say, Jesus was a servant of the Jews and a servant of the Gentiles. That's verse 8 all the way through verse 12. Now verse 13 says that may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, believing so that We read it. You will abound in the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you say, how in the world can I accept this? How in the world can I bear the word of the week? We can do the only basis of love. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. A lot of me there, isn't it? (laughs) Children of that age who sing that song need that heart, don't they, that Jesus loves me. And we we build that in our children. Oh, Ed, little Ed, oh, my goodness. You're crawling faster than anybody's ever crawled at that age. Oh, and you're walking. Oh, look at him walk. Oh, look, Ed's walking. How marvelous. 
Oh, and Ben, you can count to 20. I've never known anybody as young as you be able to count to 20. You're the most brilliant. Oh, way to count to 20. That's magnificent. You're a genius. You're the next eye. Oh, it's amazing. Amazing. Oh, Cliff, you threw that ball. You're only six, and you threw that ball. Oh, there's nobody ever thrown a ball that far when they were six years late. Oh, it's just great, man. man look at my kids. We do that, don't we? Oh, yeah, sure, I hope so. They need that. But it gets kind of bad when we begin to shave and put on some lipstick and we don't, we're not that obvious, but we're still like that, uh, you know, still so narcissistic. I woke up this morning, did you know, I didn't even think about or care how you look today, but I said, this tire go this soon. It's all about me. Right now, I'm not worried about what you don't have for lunch. I'm worried about what I'm going to have for lunch. <laughs> I don't care what you eat. I got my own stuff here. And that's how tragically we live. And you've got the outer city and the inner city. It's a tale of two cities, the tale of two lifestyles. God has given us instruction and command as to what we ought to do. You say, where and where have we been? Oh, in the outer city, there is great hope. Look at all these Buildings going up. Look at all. Man, look at that. I can't believe it. Boy, in the inner city, the buildings are falling down because there are no buildings. It's just slums and ghetto that moves from here to there to yon. About 30 years ago now, three or four of the guys in the church took me down to the, then the Toyota Center to see a closed circuit prize fight. I don't remember who was fighting. I don't know whether it was Foreman or Frazier or Ali or, or Sugar Ray. I don't know who was there, but boy, we were fired up. We went to this fight, big old screen. I'd never seen anything. Man, it was packed. Man, it was fire. Man, it, I liked it. Oh, good. It was so good. So when the fight was over, I was walking down some steps, and I was showing them with my great knowledge of boxing. You know, I had my hands up. We were talking, walking in the crowd, and I was showing my and so coming up the steps was another man. He was an 18-year-old kid then. I didn't know him, African-Americans. And, and I looked over there, and he was showing his friends the same thing. So we got down to the bottom. We just never met each other. We just got down, and we laughed, and I was doing like it. He started laughing. He says, who are you? I said, I'm Ed Young. Who are you? I'm James Dixon. And he's an 18-year-old kid who had to be a pastor. His dad was a pastor. His grandfather was a pastor. And his father was a pastor. He was beginning a little church there. And so we laughed and talked. I got to know him. And uh, time went by, and he started. He came up to our church at Woodway, and I showed him around. And he, oh. And he started to come up there and park his car at night and just pray in our parking lot praying that the Lord would give him a vision to build a church there in the inner city. 
where he'd been brought up, where he lived, and make a difference for Christ. He'd go there, oh, periodically, just park his car by himself, pray, 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 pray. I've kept up with James casually through the years. Now he has the title of bishop. He's got a big church down there in the inner city. I called him and talked with him in this, uh, this Friday, this Friday, last Friday. I went down there with my good friends, Jody Giles and David Dixon, our church, drove us down there. We met with James, and he talked a while, and I told him my burden. I said, we live in two cities. I said, I need to know more about. Not like I hadn't been there. I didn't go, and we do things, et cetera. But, you know, you know. I said, I really want to know, are there any answers here? What's going on? And he's told me this story. He said, last Saturday, we had some ministry going on down there in one of the toughest areas in anywhere around here, and I'll not identify it purposely so. And they're just miles and miles of, of slum rooms, apartments, a couple of stories high. He said, we go down there as a church and do ministry and try to help these. Most of these are single mothers birth mothers with multiple kids many times don't even know who the fathers were. And he said, we were doing ministry there with them. He said, I was sitting outside kind of steering all of our teams as he went into all these areas. And he said, then here comes the ice cream truck Saturday. And it comes down the street and there's that music. He said, not a kid came out. He said, I knew there were hundreds and hundreds of kids. It's miles of these slums. Do, 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 do. And the ice cream truck comes by. Do, do, do. Good weather. Do, 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 do. No kid came out. He said, I sat there wondering what in the world. Do, 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 do. He said, the ice cream truck went on through. Not a kid came out. He said, I wonder why. Then he said, I realized. They didn't have enough money to buy a popsicle. Not one of them. Not this area. And he said, I went and ran down that ice cream truck. I said, come on back. Said the truck came back. Said the Hispanic man and his son were in the truck. He said, park right here. I'm going to buy ice cream for any kid that wants any. He said, I sent my guys up there and said, first two or three kids came, four or five kids came, seven, eight kids. He said, there's a long line of kids there. He said, but they came out from anywhere from four to five, even up to 16 or 17. He said, they all had their heads down. He said, they came up there to the little gate, the truck, and and say, what do you want? And they would point to one of the ice cream, tutti frutti, whatever. And he said, then they would look out and say, oh, yeah, and they would order it. And he said, I would pay for it. He said, then I realized everyone came with their head down. And he said, I went over there and said, hold your head up. Hold your head up. Look up there and, and read what you want and, and tell the man and he said a lot of them couldn't read. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve couldn't read. He said those that could read, they, they, they were hard to hold their head up. 
He said, I bought ice cream. I bought ice cream. And I told him, I said, James, I'm jealous. I want to be there. I I, I wish I had been there to buy some ice cream myself. I'm jealous of you. And I said, I want to go there right now. So we left his church, went together, went to the spot. We got there Friday afternoon at the time the buses were arriving. Here, buses coming. I mean, kids coming out of there, all young kids, this stream of buses. I mean, dozens, hundreds, hundreds, just everywhere, all the way through the slum area. All of them came out there, and they started to scatter and go up. And I noticed there wasn't a single adult there to meet a single one of them. Not an adult. Not an adult. And they run up in those little places. I looked over there, and there's some guys on a rail here hanging over the rail, the second story, and the guy hanging over the rail. And I said, who are those guys? They said, they're bloods. So how do you know? said, they got all red and black. Bloods, gang. And they're sort of supervising, running everything here, charge of everything here. I'm beginning to get it. I'd be very smart to figure that out, do you? Anybody need any explanations? You listening? What's happening in the inner city? Let me tell you. Number one, hope is crushed. When hope is crushed, You'd have different words. Say, well, you know, what we can do about that? Oh, yes. Let me ask you a personal question. Just think for a minute. You have to think hard. If you had all the power and all the resources, now stay with me. I've had longer to think about this and pray about this and cry about this than you have. But if you had all the power and all the resources, could you Mark off a square of the inner city, how many blocks, how much, I don't know. And if you had power and all the power, all the resources, could you make a difference in the lives of those families and primarily single mothers? Could you make a difference there? Could you clean that place up for God and for Christ and for humanity? Could salvation come there in lives and hope? Could you do that with all power and all resources? The answer, by the way, is yes. The answer is yes. Where do you start? You start, first of all, of getting the bad guys out, no questions asked. Now, now that's not an easy thing. You say, well, you can't do that just sit back. Get the bad guys out. Well, I'll have my rights. No, you don't. Everybody there knows who they are. No, get them out. Get them out. Number two, find the champions that are in that area. There's a few champions down there that are frightened and beat up. Find those champions and tell them this is now a safe place. Okay. 
Then you bring all the king's horses and all the king's men and see who really cares, who really loves, and who really wants to be a part of the healing. I'm talking about the lines of corporation and businesses. I'm talking about all the politicians who talk the game and play the game and exploit people. I'm talking about the nonprofits. I'm talking about the churches. I'm talking about the hospitals. I'm talking about every entity, the educational system, and go in and rehab and train and build and see those who can be getting off drugs, those who can't. We send them to some of these military bases that are basically empty, and we provide to them and give them another chance. Otherwise, we get them off drugs. We love them. We train them. When I was in high school, we had vocational training. We had shop. You learn how to be a carpenter. You learn how to pour asphalt. You learn how to build something, to make something, to weld. That's gone today. Go in there. Train these who are salvageable. Love those who are lovable. Provide protection for those kids. The kids don't go out and play around there because they're in danger. Did you read the statistics that are there on the wall? Those aren't just numbers. They're human beings, God's precious gift to us. You say, well, you didn't mention, oh, I don't have all the answers. I see the problem. I see some beginning ways to move. And I see where the cooperative effort to get the bad guys out, to find the heroes and champions that are there within and to turn loose God's people, to turn loose God's people as mentors, as counters, as helpers in safe places to enforce those schools and to get in. Well, the problem is resources. No, no, resources is the least of our problems. The talent, the resources are there in your life, in my life, Otherwise, so here is what has, hope has been crushed. Here are the hope crushers, ignorance, illegitimacy, immorality, sexually transmitted disease, drug dealers, pimps, power brokers, you name it, it is all there. Get the bad out, give hope to the those champions who were there to lead in the community and go in with love and grace and means and force and begin to give those children who's basically a fatherlessness. Fatherlessness, that's it. If someone is a single parent around here, there are plenty of surrogate fathers who will step up in school and other places, but that's not true there. How desperate is it? I know of a case where there was a child struggling in school in the inner city. The teacher said, maybe this child needs special aid, but we're going to try to work with her, and maybe she can stay in the main classes, not go on the special aid. And the mother said, oh, no, I think she needs special aid. And the teacher said, well, we're going to test her Monday, but I think she'll be able to make it. 
But all weekend, that mother took that little girl and shook her head, shook her head, shook her head, shook her head. She took the test on Monday. She was special ed. Why did the mother do that? She would get no money because the child was now classified as special ed. Oh, that's the worst thing. Let me tell you something. Where there's desperation and poverty and despair and hopelessness. By God's grace, this family, be patient, be prayerful. We're going to throw everything we got to make a difference for Jesus Christ in the inner city of this part of the world. Amen. You say, well, I don't know if I want to. Let me tell you something. Your ice cream's melting. We can go through there and do, 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 do. Oh, here's some clothes. Here's some food. Here's me up. Do, 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 Bye. Do, 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 do. Oh, I feel so good. Let me tell you what I did. I really gave our help. That's all good and fine. That's a Band-Aid, folks. We got to go in there and deal with the cancer and cut it out so there can be health. I don't know how to do it. Don't, don't think there's any prideful thing here. There's only brokenness here. But I can tell you, I believe with the power, it's going to be tough to get it. Governors, presidents, lieutenant governors, elected people, lines of industry, all big corporations, everybody will give you lip service. Let's see if they'll get down in the trenches and we can cut out a space and see a safe place of redemption. And we look, we cut out another space, see a same place. And we cut out another space. No telling what God can do when his people begin to be obedient to his book and realize that our ice cream is melting and we want our ice cream to be served as long as there's breath in your body and mind. You've been listening to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Winning Walk is a listener-supported ministry. Your prayers and financial support allow us to bring proven truth to listeners around the world. Connect with us at winningwalk.org. That's winningwalk.org.